We're back. It's the Rush Fancast, Something for Nothing. Steve and Jerry with you. Jerry, hello. Hello. It's a couple weeks now since uh, Neil left us, mm-hmm. and we decided for the next couple of podcasts, we'll read some more emails that we've been getting from you at therushcast at gmail.com. Lots of great emails yeah. coming in just with thoughts about Neil. So we figure we share those with you before we give you our regularly scheduled episode. Yeah. Uh, so, Jerry, why don't you uh, start us off? What you got? Well, I have an email from Derek. His handle on Twitter is Derek Wonders Why, in case you want to um, okay. follow him. Yeah, we should. He says, I've been a fan of the band for 37 years, and I realized I had to do a little digging to figure this out. <laughs> and from listening to your podcast about Neil, I think I can put this into words. While Steve has emphasized the importance of seeing Rush live, I was already a passionate, over-the-top Rush fan well before I saw them in concert. In 1982, I only had cassettes, and it wasn't until their next album, Grace Under Pressure, that album lyrics were printed in the tiny cassette inserts. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess I didn't have the cassettes. Huh. Uh, the game changer for me was the Signals tour book. You never mention Neil's writings in the tour books in your podcast, but they remain my prized possessions of the band, thanks to his essays about making each of the album. He you, did, know, you know why we never mentioned it? Because I couldn't afford to buy the tour book. <laughs> that's true. I never bought the tour book. I never book. bought the tour I book. I wanted to. Yeah. I always bought a cheap shirt in the parking yeah, I was just lot on the say way that, out. Yeah. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean awful. to interrupt you. So poorly designed, those cheap shirts. Yes. Um, he did this since the Permanent Waves tour book. The first time I read the essay about the making of signals, I was blown away by how seamlessly Neil knocked himself off the rock pedestal to become a regular guy. In other words, the world's greatest drummer became relatable to me. Under the spell of this humble Neilomancer. Ah, see what he did there? Yeah, yeah. I began the process of something that I'd like to think most Rush fans have gone through for every Neil song. I read and reread his lyrics while listening to the music of that song and without the music. And most of all, I did this alone. Looking back, the solitary act of making sense, reflecting and absorbing and sometimes researching Neil's words was sacred to me when I got into Rush and continued ritually for every album that followed. This is the part of me that relishes the lyrics of the songs like Time Stand Still resist faithless and free will to this day and enjoys the published works and essays from the tour books and later. While listening to your podcast earlier today, I realized all of this and figured out what it was that went numb. Upon learning of Neil's passing, the 14-year-old boy in me lost an old friend who would come by to discuss his perspective that inspired me. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's more like an uncle, you know? Yeah. That's the way I'm looking at it. You know, I remember when my dad died, it's not like that, but it's kind of like a Fun uncle that you had. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. A family member. Yeah. Like we said. Yeah. And you know what I had forgotten? You know, he, he mentioned the tour books, which we didn't know about because we didn't have them. But um, do you remember before every show, the music that used to play before Rush came on? Yeah. Did you know that Neil created those playlists personally? No. Yeah. I was Again, I was listening to um, an interview on Sirius XM that they were playing on the Rush channel. And Neil was talking about the playlist that he used to make before every Rush show. So all that music you used to hear, he'd play yeah, a lot of prog bands, yeah. like Yes and Genesis, yeah. stuff like that. It was all Neil. Nice. And he would create those playlists specifically for that venue. Wow. I mean, talk about a thoughtful guy. Yeah. Catered to that particular audience. Yeah. That's it's great. Ama- it's amazing. Yeah. 
And I remember before the shows listening to the music and thinking, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who's, <laughs> who's coming up with this music? <laughs> yeah, really. And the whole time it was Neil. For some reason, I always thought it was just the house, you know, coming up with the music for some reason. But every other show we saw there, they didn't play any good music. Yeah, I guess so. If you think about it, yeah. it was always at the Rush shows. Yeah. It's because Neil was doing it. Yeah. I had no idea. It's another cool, cool Neil fact. Yeah. So here's something else I found. You had mentioned the uh, Chuck D quote that you found about Neil's passing. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted something else out the other day uh, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert. Okay. That we were at. Public Enemy got in along with Rush. Yep. He said, it was bananas. I was sitting at the table between Rick Rubin and Spike Lee. A Rush fanatic roar shook the entire building. Yep. Spike looked at me and said, yo, we on the road. <laughs> like it was a playoff game in an opposing building. Yeah. LOL, LOL. And that's exactly what it was like. Yeah, it's deafening. You know, Spike was, ob- Spike was obviously there to support Chuck D and yeah. Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. I watched that on YouTube, the induction ceremony, when, I mean, the beginning of the induction ceremony when Jan Wenner, just like, and from Canada or Toronto or whatever, and the place just exploded. I forgot. He, he like reacted to the sound mm. as if a bomb had just gone off in front of him. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Great, great thing to be at for sure. And it just went on and on and on until the guy stood up. It, it has to be the, the greatest ovation any band has ever gotten at one of those ceremonies. Has to I, be. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would think so. So what we did today on the Rush Fancast is kind of a mailbag episode. We talked about some mistakes we made on the show. Yep. Some emails we got from you. It's like a corrections corner. Kind of a corrections corner. <laughs> and um, we sound a little bit happier, as I mentioned last week, we sound a little bit happier on this episode than we do right now. Right. Hopefully we'll we'll gain all our our energy back, Jar, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, here's the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. It's Something for Nothing, the Rush Fancast, Steve and Jerry. Jerry, welcome back. Thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram, the Rushcast. Email Jerry. The emails are pouring in. Jerry has quit his full-time job and is now just <laughs> answering your emails at the Rushcast at gmail.com. This podcast is available anywhere you get podcasts. Please rate us on your favorite podcast app. We appreciate it. And the base intro for the Rush Fancast, Jerry, is done by our good friend Lex. Another fantastic job today. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Yep. And uh, today on the Rush Fancast, we're going to do something a little different. Yeah. We're not going to talk about an album. We're going to talk about Rush. Of course. But we're going to talk about all the things we forgot to talk about on previous episodes. Or we're going to talk about some of the feedback we got from our listeners about the things we talked about on previous episodes. Or some of the corrections we have to make on things we said on previous episodes. Correct. And this may take a whole episode just to do all this. So we figured... Why don't we do that? Yeah, let's do it. So the thing I wanted to bring up first is we got a lot of feedback about our conversation about John Rutsey on whether or not he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, so I got a lot of emails on that. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback on Twitter. And I have to say that the Rush fans were kind of split down the middle. There were people that were very upset about us even bringing up. Really? That John Rutsey should be considered for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And if you recall, we weren't clamoring for his induction per se no we were just wondering if he should he should have been considered i was questioning how some other people got into the rock and roll hall of fame when he didn't right and uh we had come to the consensus that 
you thought that he he could have been inducted. Yeah. And I thought maybe he shouldn't have been inducted. Right. But we were we were sort of on the fence about it. Um so I got some feedback from some of our Twitter listeners. Bar Cygnus X1, Marcus his name is. He says yes, John Rutsey should be in. Oh. Uh Jeffrey Rosier at Jeffrey Rosier says no. Our good friend Habs2112 Tony was on the fence also like we were. He was leaning towards no. And um, one of our newer listeners, at Satan Goes, I don't know if Satan is a man or a woman. That's a whole discussion for another yeah, another podcast. I'm just glad that Satan's listening. <laughs> I'm glad Satan's listening, too. He suggested that if Rutsey gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, what about the band Yes? And I thought that was a good point. Yeah. Because Yes... Has recently, a thousand members. <laughs> recently got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And how many how many guys have been in Yes? Yes, I know. And many of them for one album, like John Rutsey was. And most of those guys did not get in. And I think it's a great point. Do you know which members of Yes were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Jer? Um, well, uh, let's go with the big ones. Yeah. Right? Chris Squire, right. obviously. Uh, John Anderson. Yep. Um... I guess both drummers, right? Both drummers, Bill Bruford and Alan White, both are in. Both keyboardists. Yes. Um, Rick Wakeman, Tony Kay, both in. Um, And two guitarists. Both both guitarists, yeah, what's his name? Steve Howe and Trevor Rabin. Right. Both in. But every other member of Rush, uh, Rush, sorry. (laughs) Every other member of Yes is not in. So there are three current members of Yes who are not in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. You can't, there's no way you can name them. Uh, Billy, Jeff Downs, Billy, Billy Sherwood. No you were way. Right. Yes, wow. Billy and John Davison, who I think is the current singer. I think. Okay, sure. They are not in. Also, a founding guitarist who I think would be similar to John Rutsey, Peter Banks. He was the founding member of Yes. Oh. He is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Was, which albums was he on? I don't know. I guess the first one, which was called Yes. Mm. I guess and, we'll have to add that to the next episode we do where we try to fill in the blanks of all the things we didn't know from this episode yes and another key member who isn't in is trevor horn you've heard of him right oh yeah yeah he's not he's not in so that that was an interesting point so there you go yeah well i was talking to someone uh chris s okay he uh sent me an email and it only said john rutsey does not belong in the rock hall of fame that was the whole thing period period so i sent him one back and we had a uh, you know a discussion back and forth, and then I came up with some names. I went to the a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame site, okay, and they have the class of you know they have the every year class of you know ninety one, ninety two, and you can see who was inducted with each group, okay. So this supports my belief that John should have gotten in based on who else has gotten in. Oh, the so Rock you're going to give me some names of people who have gotten in? Yes. Who you think? John Rutsey is more qualified to be in than them. Yes. Okay. Right. One of them is Hugh McDonald. Who the heck is that? He was inducted with Bon with Bon Jovi in 2018. He was an unofficial touring member of the band who joined when original bassist Alec John Such left the band. Now Alec John Such should be in. Don't tell me he's not in. No, he's in. Okay. It said McDonald did not play on the early albums. Okay. Any album that Bon Jovi would have gotten into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for, he did not play on, and he wasn't a member of the band, and he didn't officially join the band until 2016. 
which was two years. And what has Bon Jovi done since 2016? Right, but he didn't get in until 2016, which was only two years before they were inducted. See, now, so, now see, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Right. If that guy's in, John Rutsey should right. be in. How about Gary Valentine? How about Gary Valentine? He was inducted along with Blondie, even though he left the band in 1977. Now, how many years was he in Blondie? I don't know. But he didn't play on the band's most classic album, Parallel Lines. Okay. So they, the Blondie had two albums before that, before Parallel Lines, and he played on those, but he didn't play on the, on the album that really got them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They had like four albums after that, right? The Parallel Lines, E to the Beat, Auto American, and another one. Those were the those were the Blondie years where people were like, "This is Blondie, and they're great." Right. He wasn't on those albums. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you got the, more? I do. Cliff Martinez. Who the heck is that? He played on the first two Red Hot Chili Pepper albums. Really? And he was inducted with them. And what did he play? Guitar? Um, yeah, he played guitar. It was an extra guitar player. Uh, maybe he played drums. Damn, I should have looked that up. Next time. Next time. Also, John Klinghoffer. He was inducted with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Only he And he played on two of the late era, like two more recent albums as a guitarist. Hmm. And he was inducted with them too. I think. But I have one more. I have okay. a, a really good one. Keyboardist Ian Stewart. Right. Do you know who he is? No idea. He was in the Rolling Stones, but he was removed from the Rolling Stones in 1963. Removed? Yeah. He was, he was kicked out of the band okay. in 1963 and later became their road manager. And he played keyboards on some of the Stones songs. But And he's in. He wasn't part of the band. See, And I... he was put in. I think it's up to the band. I think if Getty, Alex, and Neil had said to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, John should be in with us, that he would have been. And I think that maybe if he was alive, they may have done that. Just yeah, maybe just just to be nice, right? To include him. Mm-hmm. That's all. But, that's just that's just my argument is that people are in. Not that they don't deserve to be in. I'm not going to say people deserve or don't deserve to be in, but these guys are in. And they had... I'm going to say those guys don't deserve to be in. Yeah, right? Yeah, that, no, they don't. Absolutely not. The bassist of Bon Jovi <laughs> from <laughs> well, 2016. Well, Alec John Such, who was on all those yes, albums, absolutely. he deserves to be in. Yes. He was part of that yeah. version of Bon Jovi that got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah, the argument was for Rutsey was that he wasn't in the band during the years that Rush became the, the band that should be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Okay. So either right. did that guy. All right, great. So let's move on to our next topic. We have another listener, Jer. Uh, Jeff T. Aiken, at Jeff T. Aiken, had a few suggestions for us. Oh, wow. He wanted us to check out the Skid Row version. You know the band Skid Row? Yes. They did a cover Jersey of band. What You're Doing. Oh, I watched that. Yeah, it, it was, was great. great, right? It was great. It was amazing. There was a band that's, I mean, if Skid Row is going to cover any Rush song, that's the song for them to cover. It was Absolutely. Great. It was great. And um, what's the name, what's the name of the singer of Skid Row? Why can't Sebastian I Sebastian Bach. Sebastian Bach. He was, 
featured in Beyond the Lighted Stage yes. all over the place. He's yes. a huge Rush fan. He is. And uh, yeah, it was a perfect song for them to do. And um, just really great. And uh, Jeff also chimed in about our conversation about Rivendell. Uh-oh. Remember we were asking if anybody... Oh, know, the Tolkien thing. The Tolkien thing. Well, he didn't say he liked Rivendell because of that. He said he liked Rivendell because he plays Rivendell to go to sleep, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> like every night still? Yeah, uh, yeah. He plays, he plays Rivendell to, to sleep by. So instead of like a white noise machine, he's listening to Rivendell? Yeah, I think it's great. It's not a ringing endorsement for the, <laughs> for the song itself. I just, thought, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a reason to like the song. Sure. Why not? Yeah. So you might remember. Okay. On two previous um, podcasts, we mentioned the the guy who wore all of those patches on his jean jacket. I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention this too for probably a different reason. But go ahead. Okay. So we nicknamed him Eric for some reason. Right. And I had it. I got an email again from the same guy, Chris S., the same guy I was talking to about um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. This was a PS to one of his emails. He said, PS, I almost died laughing when you mentioned the guy with the fly by night jacket and all the patches. Although I think they were actually pins. I know exactly who you were talking about. Are you serious? I must have seen him at a dozen shows in the tri-state area. Is his name Eric? <laughs> no, he didn't say whether honestly. He just saw him just like we. I saw him. Right. I don't know. If, I, I have a hard time believing they were pins though, because my older daughter collects enamel pins, right? And her jacket it's like a flak jacket. It weighs like 20 pounds and it makes the most noise you've ever heard anybody. She, she's like a, a, a Dickensian ghost walking around in chains. She, the, the jacket is so loud. So I still think they might've been. Like, I think patches. there were patches. I think there were patches. What I wanted to bring up is I was listening to our podcast. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago and we brought, we keep bringing up Eric. Right. Cause you're a narcissist. And, Cause I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I listen to the podcast all day. No, but we had interviewed Eric Hansen, the author of Wandering the Face of the Earth. Okay. And I realized that people might be confusing that Eric. No, you didn't get it. No, no, no. Okay. But I just thought, wait a minute, we have to differentiate. It's not. No, no, I didn't. When I, when I say Eric, we're not talking about Eric Hansen. We're talking right. about Eric, the guy with the jacket. Right. Who we named Eric. Who we, uh, we talked about him on the very first podcast. Right. Before way we, before. Before we met Eric Hansen. So okay. maybe we should change Eric's name so we don't confuse them. Derek? How about Derek? I like that. Derek. Derek's better. Yeah, okay. So hopefully we don't meet anybody named Derek in between, in between then <laughs> now. And we're going to get an email from some guy named Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing I wanted to bring up, Jerry, was In the Mood. We were talking about In the Mood a few podcasts ago. Sure. Another Twitter friend of ours, at Westy2112, another 2112 handle. He agreed with our quarter to eight discussion. We were wondering why why quarter to eight? That's pretty early. Yes. Just because it rhymes with late. The hour late. is yeah, late. the hour is late. The real Brett, at Brett A-R-E on Twitter, he suggested that the working man and the guy who's in the mood are the same guy. So his theory is that the working man has to get up early. So he has to get in the mood early so he can get his deed done and then go to work and then get up and go to work. What do you think of that? I like that. I'm, I'm buying that. Yeah. Work life yeah. balance, right? I am all over. He's got to be in the mood at a quarter to eight. <laughs> you know, they do what they're doing. Then he goes to bed. 
Right. Gets up early for work. He's yeah. the working man. He's the working man. And he's in the mood. <laughs> no, I, I love, love it. it. Yeah, that's great. And Brett, another another thing Brett brought up, which I thought was awesome, he thought that In the Mood sounds like What's Your Name by Leonard Skinnerd. Remember I sent yeah. that to you? Yeah. And it does. It does. It does a little bit, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. But the cool thing about that is What's Your Name by Leonard Skinner came out in 1977. Ooh. So if anybody ripped anybody off. Skinner. It's Skinner. Then Getty and Alex maybe have a little lawsuit yeah, on maybe, their hands. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Like dig, up, dig up that song. And I think What's Your Name did a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, that sounds just like that. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. I have an interesting thing too. I posted a picture on Instagram of Alex Getty and John for the episode of when we were talking about Rush. Okay. And someone, his name is Classic Rock Guitarist Paulie. That's his handle okay. on Instagram. He just his his first comment was saw this band at the Victory Burlesque as opening act for the New York Dolls, and that's all he said. What? Yeah. So then I was like, uh more details yeah yeah we need to know about this so he responded with a little more details he said the willowdale band who rehearsed up the street from where my band rehearsed opened for the new york dolls at the victory burlesque on spadinia avenue it was a strip slash burlesque club with a long runway they played some zeppelin covers and some rush originals they were loud burlesque dancers introduced the band so i went to our handy dandy rush wandering the face of the earth Book. Speaking of Eric Speaking and our friend Skip too. And the book confirms his story. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. So this guy just emailed you out of the blue. Out of the blue. No, he was, it was commented on Instagram. So in the book, uh, Wandering Face of the Earth, October 27th, 1973, Toronto, Ontario, Victory Burlesque Theater, 287 Spadinia Avenue, uh, opened for the New York Dolls. And yeah, then Alex said it was an old burlesque theater, pretty run down and crappy. But to us, it might as well have been Wembley. Wow. So. And this guy was there. This guy was there. Wow. So there you go. That's amazing. It is cool. Maybe Skip and Eric can interview this guy for the update for their book. Yeah. Add some detail. Maybe, yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. So I got some comments about our discussion about the Fountain of Lemneth, Jared. I'm starting to say it correctly. At Calixico65, Jim C., he said the Fountain of Lemneth is similar to Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Did you read The Dark Tower? I read the first three. There's, how many are there? <laughs> There's a lot. Wow. There's a lot of them. But I don't it, remember anything about it though. Anyway, Jim says the protagonist yearns for the Dark Tower and when he reaches his, his objective, he finds it and then just repeats the cycle similar to the oh. protagonist for the Fountain of Lemneth. Hmm. So I'm wondering if, Stephen King could be a Rush fan. Well, and maybe he, he borrowed some mm, of the... Borrowed. Well, I'm being nice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he borrowed the... Maybe he skinnered. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe he, he listened to the Fountain of Lemneth and uh, turned it into the Dark Tower. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. One never knows. Stephen King is definitely a rock and roll fan. Oh, definitely. He's in that band. He's in a band with other writers. Really? Yeah, like a cover band, so... I can't remember what they're called. The Remainders, maybe. Okay. It's named after like books that aren't sold. You have to tear the cover off. 
Right. The remainders, maybe. And I it, remember the, uh, I have the um, soundtrack of Maximum Overdrive. It's got all metal yeah, bands yeah. on it. ACDC, ACDC right? and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got an email from uh, Peter C. Okay. He sent more than one email, and he was talking about our discussion of 2112, the song. Okay. And the line, our great computers fill the hallowed halls. Oh. Now, now we said that. Well, I said. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to put you on the spot. But, you know. They, I said it was a dated concept. A dated concept, right. And he sent me two, he attached two pictures of server farms where the in two rooms are entirely filled with computers. Really? And he was wondering if that huh. would would count as the I would think as so. the great computers filling the hallowed halls. Hey, look, I'd rather say I'm wrong than Neil's wrong, right? Yeah. I'm wrong. It's fine. Got to keep those rooms cold though, so. At least yeah. they, they must have had air conditioning. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I, I stand corrected. Another thing, Jer, we discussed was our discovery of the error in the lyrics of Beneath, Between, and Behind. Yes. And the consensus is, at least among the Twitter followers that we have- the Twitterati. Is that we are correct. Nice. That it's Bird, Beneath the Noble Bird. I didn't get any feedback from anybody saying, hey, wait a minute, it's Birth. It's Bird. Now- Bird we, is the word. Did they know it was Bird, or they just agree with us? People just responded and said, it's Bird, period. You know, just, but birth is everywhere. It's even on the official Rush website as birth. I know, but I guess people just know it's bird. I guess people had the album. Yeah, maybe just, we should maybe we should start like a like a change dot org petition to have the Rush website change it to bird. Or we could just email them. Oh, <laughs> we could do that. But I mean, it sounds like a great idea, right? We'll get a, a ten thousand signatures. A petition and a, a together. Petition. <laughs> I don't think we need to get a petition. Just just send them an email. Hey, you know, you guys made a typo there. Right. And maybe they'll fix it. Maybe. Let's try it. But I mean, so it's obvious. Have you ever heard of um, um, copyright traps? No. So uh, it comes up a lot with trivia books. Some people who write trivia books will put in a fake answer, an answer they know to be incorrect. And then if they read that same answer in another trivia book, then they know that that person just copied all the information from their oh. own trivia book. Oh, so do you think that Rush deliberately yeah. made that error to see if all these lyric sites are just stealing from them? That's what I'm thinking. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. They wow. all say birth. Wow, interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. You know, sometimes I do that personally. No, seriously, <laughs> really? like if I, if I sign up for something, I might spell my name wrong to see who they sell my name to. And when I get mail with that same misspelling, I know, wow, I know where it came from. So are you tracking these? Do you, do you write well, down? Not really. I'm not really keeping track. Steven with two But Fs. just as a goof, I do it just to see if I end up getting mail later on with the misspell. And, and you it, do. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I just thought it would be fun to do to see, see what would happen. <laughs> yeah. And it happens. And it happens. Absolutely. So I have something, Steve. Okay. Um, in one episode, we were talking about the Jefferson Bible. Remember the episode that was? Jeez, I don't remember. I don't remember it That either. must have been one of the early ones. It might have been the early ones. I don't recall which one it was. I really should have written it down, obviously. But you asked me what the Jefferson Bible was. Okay. And it was- Oh, you mean Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson. Oh, right. I do remember that. Yes. And he literally took like a pair of scissors to the New Testament and cut out 
every part of the of the New Testament that refers in any way to the divinity of Jesus. Okay. Took out all the miracles, took out everything. All right. And he called it the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Interesting. He said he uh, deleted miraculous events and did not include anything he perceived as contrary to reason. And the interesting thing, right, is that it amidst the resurrection, so it talks about his crucifixion, but it amidst the resurrection, and they printed, I don't know, 9,000 copies, and from 1904, an act of Congress in 1904 gave a copy of the Jefferson Bible to every new congressperson. Really? Yeah. And it and those 9,000 copies ran out in the 1950s. So every congressman from, I guess, when Jefferson published it, until they ran out of those 9,000 copies, got the Jefferson Bible. So there's only 9,000 copies of it? They might That's have a re- rare book. Uh, yeah, the original. I'm sure, you, sure you can go to the bookstore and, and find forgive it. Forgive me, what does this have to do with Rush? Nothing. <laughs> I don't remember what we were talking about. You just thought you brought it, bring it up. A lot of these things I have written down here have nothing to do with Rush, but it's just something we brought up. You asked me what it was. I didn't really know beyond the fact that he had, you know, taken a, a knife to the Bible. So I figured I'd... Uh, so just in you. case our listeners were also wondering, yeah, why not bring it back up again? Sure. That makes sense. So another thing I wanted to bring up, Jer, the topic of fade-outs, which I had brought up a few times. Yes. How I didn't like fade-outs. And you thought I was crazy for not liking Fade Outs. It is a little odd. It's a little odd. Well, considering all of the songs that were released since the beginning of rock and roll. Not all of them. To 99% of them. Just because 99% (laughs) of people are lazy doesn't mean it's right. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, a couple of our Twitter listeners agree with me. Andy at WR8, he says. That's That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. He says he wants a fade poll. That's About who the, want who likes fade outs? Who likes fades and who doesn't? Maybe we could do that, sure. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, at Reed K calls fades evil. He says, okay. write a goddamn ending to your song. <laughs> so he really agrees with me. <laughs> and since I have found a lot of Rush songs actually fade out, a lot of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like? Uh, well, here's one that fades in and fades out, Jer. Okay. The Weapon. It does fade in. Yes, it does. And interestingly, I went on YouTube earlier today to the um, Grace Under Pressure Tour video. Oh, yeah. That's good. And they played the weapon on the Grace Under Pressure Tour. And it faded in. Of course it didn't fade in. <laughs> Neil, Neil started with just the drumming. Yeah. You know, he just started drumming. He couldn't, you know, you can't fade in at a concert. Sure. It didn't fade out either. And it sounded great. I know. It sounded we went great. went over that, though. They... I know. I know. I know. But in case you're curious, I talked also about um, this Vox article okay. about the science of of the fade out. Right? Okay. Vox has a great video series called Earworm, and they always talk about music, and it's fantastic. Every single one is fantastic. Okay. And their video on that is why it's called "Why More Pop Songs Should End with a Fade Out." That's the name of the video. Really? People want to go check it out. Okay. It's great. Oh, so you're not going to tell me why I have to go check it out? Uh, I told you the first time. It's oh, okay. People tap along longer, so the oh. idea is that it stays in the listener's mind longer. Okay. All right. I'll check it out. Another thing I wanted to bring up is we had mentioned with Neil's handwritten lyrics, I've been putting those up on Twitter, uh, the handwritten lyrics from Caress of Steel and Fly By Night. Mm-hmm. At the bottom, there were cities listed, and yes. we had guessed that the cities must be where 
the songs were written. Yes. And it turns out that's true. Oh. I rewatched Beyond the Lighted Stage the other day, and Neil says in one of the interviews that, in fact, those cities refer to the cities where the songs were written. Oh. Yeah. And they, show, and they showed the, the handwritten lyrics he did, and he was talking about them. That sounds like something we should have known. It sounds like something we should have known, which is exactly why I'm bringing it up now, because right. we should have known, and I wanted to correct it. Remember when we were talking about Earthshine? Yes. So I did some more digging on what Earthshine is, because you had asked me if Earthshine happens every month or if it all happens a couple right, of times. Right, right. So I went to a NASA website. Okay. It's uh, earthobservatory.nasa.gov. And it said that uh, Earthshine tends to be the brightest between April and June, but it does occur at other times. But you could see it mostly during April and June. The cool thing, the rush-related thing about this thing, <laughs> the rush-related thing about uh, this website is they actually quote Earthshine. They really? quote Neil's lyrics. Really? Yeah. On, on, in their little discussion of Earthshine at the end, they quote ears, Earth, uh, Neil's lyrics. So earthobservatory.nasa.gov, which I thought was great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very Those guys cool. guys at NASA. That is great. The Vapor Trails Tour, Jer. When we were talking about Vapor Trails, yes. we said that we attended three shows on the Vapor Trails Tour. Yeah, not true. But it turns out that's not true. I attended three shows on the Vapor Trails Tour. That's right. You attended two. I did. And you missed a very interesting one. Oh, no. Yeah. My wife oh, went yeah. with me. To the Vapor Trail show you couldn't go to. We still don't remember why you couldn't go. I don't remember why I could go. Uh, was was one of your daughters born around that time? Yeah. Um, my wife and I had just reduced our work schedules. Okay. And we had uh, rotating grandmas, as we called them. Mm -hmm. We had my mom and my wife's mom and mother-in-law watching my daughter Monday and Tuesday. I was home on Wednesday. And then Rachel, my wife, was home Thursday and Friday. So on Wednesday, Rachel worked really late hours. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult for me to get the grandmas, they were a little older at the time, to you know stay three days. They were always very tired. So I couldn't really ask them. She couldn't get out of work, so I had to bail. And there it is, Wednesday, November 6th, yep. 2002. Right. And strangely, I, I don't remember how. These are comp tickets. Yeah. I had a friend who worked at a radio station. Perhaps that's where I got them. But not only did I get a ticket to the show for free, but we got backstage passes. Yep. And my wife and I got to meet Getty and Alex. Yep. And you did not. I know. Very sad. It is very sad. And your wife wore an American flag sweater. She did. <laughs> and I, she likes to rub it in your face that she got to meet Getty and Alex I and know, you didn't. I know. To this day. I missed my opportunity. You did. But luckily, you got to meet Getty when he signed your book about a year yeah, ago. Yeah, that's great, yeah. But Alex, yeah. the elusive Alex. <laughs> the elusive Alex. You may, you may never get to meet <laughs> Alex now. If I ever do, I'm going to wear an American flag sweater. Do you think that would... <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I, now I see what you're saying. They're Canadian. She's <laughs> yes, wearing an Canadian. American flag. You think she's rubbing it in? I don't twisting know the why. Knife of, with what, Getty of, all, Alex? of all the things to wear... <laughs> I just got that. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm thinking, why is he so upset she's wearing an American flag sweater? Oh, right. They're Canadian. You should wear a Canadian flag shirt when you meet Alex. I should. Just I should. to try and get on his good side. Yeah. Maybe course. he'd want to have a drink with you after the uh, meeting. Yeah. You never know. You never know. 
Speaking of Getty signing his books, mm-hmm. we were talking about his signing in New York. Right. And how you walked by the Barnes & Noble all the time and you saw people waiting at like six o'clock in the morning. Yes. And you said that who would wait for Billy Idol at six o'clock in the morning? And I said- I was wondering. And I said, for his book, Dancing With Myself- and, and you said, is that the name of his book? And I said, no, I don't think so. No it way. It is the name of his That's autobiography. That's book? Are you kidding me? Nope. Well, it should be. Of course. What else are you going to call That's great. Well, yeah. not, not only were we right about that, I was wrong about the bookstore. Yeah. I, I walk by the Barnes & Noble on Fifth Avenue every morning, but Getty's book signing was in Union Square. Yeah. So I really hope I didn't send any Rush fans to the wrong place. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I didn't get any complaints from anyone, so no. I don't think... I sent them to the wrong spot. I think people would have done their research and got the correct address. But I apologize if I sent someone to the wrong place. But <laughs> They're the good, still standing there waiting for Getty to well, show Well, the up. good thing is if you showed up at 6 o'clock in the morning on Fifth Avenue, <laughs> That's right. you have time to get, <laughs> to get to Union Square. It doesn't take that long. The Presto Tour we talked about not too long ago, Jer, I mentioned the three shows we saw in six days. Yes. And I wanted to mention, or have you guess... Now, I paid for all three of those pairs of tickets. How much do you think all three? All three total. Total. Just your three tickets. How much did they cost for and the Presto Tour? This is 89 90 Yeah. Oh, man. Total. All 60. three. $68 total <laughs> for all three tickets. So each ticket was $20 and, and plus, fees plus the fees. The fees for all three tickets combined were $8. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And think about the prices people pay now. It was a bargain. No yeah, wonder we went to three shows. In, yeah, really? We went to three shows in six days. Why not? Did we 60 have 60 bucks, bucks though? Back then? Probably not, <laughs> but but still, it was worth it. Yeah. Definitely worth it. On one of our, when we were talking about, um, I think it was Caress of Steel. Yeah, it was Caress of Steel. In the liner notes, it said they dedicated it to the, the genius of Rod Serling. Yes. And we were wondering why. Well, it turns out that Rod Serling died in. Turns out that Rod Serling died in June on June twenty eighth, nineteen seventy five, and the album was recorded between July and August of nineteen seventy five. Oh, so they dedicated to him because he had recently passed away. Yes. Wow, that's cool. I've got a couple more things, Jared, before we wrap it up. Do you okay. have more? I have a couple things. Oh, great! Very tangential. Yeah, this is like really all over the all place. over the place. Right. I hope people are enjoying it. This to me, just I, I just wanted to mention a couple of people that had contacted me on Twitter, new listeners. I feel like you ever see the Magic Garden? Of when, course. When they, uh, when they would call out to the people that were watching. Yes, yes. That's what I feel like when I'm doing this. They never called my name. They never called my name either. What were the, what were the names of the hosts of that show? Carol and something or I other. No. But I feel I like do remember Sherlock. I feel. <laughs> I feel like we're on the magic. And the chuckle patch. I feel like we're on the magic garden. At Justin underscore Hornberg is a new listener. Uh, his first show was at Madison Square Garden, December third, nineteen eighty two. Wow! So he feels like he's similar type of Rush fan to us. Sure. And um, I just want to say to Justin, I'm jealous that I wasn't at that show in nineteen eighty two, the Signals tour. I think. Carrion. How do you say this name? C. I-A-R-A-N, Karen? Sure. Is that a male or a female name? No idea. I don't know. At C White 25 uh, said, on Christmas Day, did not listen to Christmas music. I listened to two Rush nerds 
talk about the fountain of Lamneth for 55 minutes. And I say, Karen, that is awesome. She's talking about us, right? I think so. Yeah. Not, not family members. We're the rush nerds. Yep. At Van Bruggenworth is uh, Rhea. She uh, chimed in on Rivendell because she loves Tolkien. Okay. So there. And at Bricks and Columns, uh, his name is John, a new listener like us, born in 1969, turning 50 this year, or turned 50 probably at this point. Loves the podcast, early 80s rush. And um, that's that. Okay. Okay. What, you, what else you got? Well, I have a an explanation. If you remember in um, when we were talking about vapor trails, there's the line, laughter is the straw for a drowning man. Yes. Remember that one? Someone yeah. sent me an email. Oh, really? I, I forgot to print it out, so I, I forget his name. Okay. So, sorry about that. But it's actually, uh, there's, a, there's a colloquialism. A drowning man will clutch at a straw. Okay. So it just means that if you're in a desperate situation, you'll clutch at anything you think will help, even if it won't help. Breathing through a straw isn't going to help you, but nope. you're going to give it a shot. Well, not even breathing through it. Everything I said about that was not true. Oh, okay. My interpretation. So should we just delete that episode of the podcast? <laughs> well, it's so like if, if a drowning man will clutch at a straw and Neil says laughter is the straw for a drowning man, that means he's... he's oh, I see. So you were completely wrong about everything you said. Yeah. So basically he's laughing or you know trying to be in a good mood to save himself but it's not gonna but work. it's not gonna work oh wow yeah it's pretty cool that is very cool so whoever uh sent me that link thank you yeah that's great <laughs> no it's good look the thing is we're not going to be right about everything and i'm glad we're able to correct these things for sure right you have anything else Jared, before we wrap this up i do have one thing okay and only because it was bothering me after we talked about it when we were talking about by tour and the snow dog, mm-hmm. we were talking about um, the Tobes of Hades. Yes. Right. And I started saying that Hades is not hell. Right. Hades is the underworld. Okay. But there are different parts of the underworld. Right. So I looked them up. Okay. So there is, there are four parts of the underworld. I thought there were only two. Oh, wow. So there's Tataris. I think that's how you pronounce that. That's hell. Okay. Tataris is hell. Th- that's the lowest part of the underworld? Yeah. Then you have the Elysian Fields. Okay. Um, is where um, exceptional exceptional mortals go when they die. All right. All right. And then you also have the Fields of Mourning, um, where those who are hurt by love go. When That's where I go. <laughs> and then <laughs> the Asphatal, the Asphatal met- Meadows. That's where everyone else goes. And where's the River Styx? River Styx is, leads to Hades. Okay. So that's the boat I'll be taking. Yeah. On the river sticks. That's right. Well, uh, that, w- that was a, a fun podcast, Jer. I mean, yeah. we, we uh, talked about a lot of different stuff. A lot of useless Mishmash, information. A lot I, of useless information. I love I, useless information. I hope it was interesting to people. Yeah. Email Jerry. Let him know what you think. Was this interesting? Should we have even bothered correcting all this stuff, bringing up all this stuff again? Who let knows? Us, let us know. The rushcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RushFanCast, Instagram, The RushCast. Jerry puts up some great pictures. Rate us on your favorite podcast app. Please. Tell a friend about The Rush Fancast. We appreciate that. Next time on The Rush Fancast, I have no idea what we're doing. Either do I. But join us next Monday, and you'll find out what we're doing. Right. So until next time, Jerry, you got a quote for me? Um, yeah, I guess so. I can, I can just pull one out of my hat. Okay. Uh, Take that hat off. Give it to me. How about, um, can any part of life be larger than life? Even love must be limited by time. 
Wow. Yeah. Very touching. Yeah. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. Bye. Bye.